Hi, I'm State Representative Tom Woods and I'm running for the Public Service Commission. One of the things the Public Service Commission does is set utility rates. It's supposed to represent us when it does that. It hasn't been doing a very good job. Let me explain. You know, Northwestern Energy has been doing pretty well over the past number of years. Uh, in fact, they've even exceeded $200 million in 2019. But they asked for a rate increase from the PSC. Okay. So when you take a close look at that $6.5 million increase, you see that it's a net increase, that some people, the ones here in green, actually got a rate reduction. And some folks got a great big rate increase. Who's that? Why, the residential customers. That's you and me. Now, wait a minute. What about these guys over here that got a $10 and $3 million rate reduction? Why, who's that? Yeah, you and I got our rates increased, and Walmart got its rates decreased. Thanks a lot, PSC. I'm Tom Woods, Union Democrat, Public Service Commission, District 3. See you down the road. So uh, welcome back to the Montana Power Pod. We've had a, an extended hiatus. Um, in the meantime, we've had a primary election, and we weren't even sure if we were going to come back, but then we got a great guest, uh, Tom Woods, who's running for the Public Service Commission in District 3. And it was an interview with me and Dan. Uh, Max couldn't make it for some reason. It's not a big deal, but, you know. Um <laughs> and uh, so we got all three of us on the line right now, and I guess I just wanted to talk about the aftermath of the June primary. Uh, Dan, you obviously didn't win. Uh, Max and I, uh, we did some internal polling, and it it actually might be it might have been the podcast that brought you down because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The podcast um, definitely took a turn for the for the worse there. I think yeah. when we were agreeing with the coal strip mayor too much. Yeah. Might have thrown things off. Yeah, we didn't podcast hard enough, and I apologize. <laughs> we said we were going to podcast hard, or we weren't going to podcast at all, and I guess we should have just not podcasted at all. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think if we had 100 episodes, I would have won. That's but... true. <laughs> I would have had to quit my job, but uh, I guess it would have been worth it. Yeah. Yeah, at the lab, right? Yeah, at the lab, and I guess somehow just sort of stayed in the country. I don't. Anyways, I haven't really worked out the details. Um, Deepa would have had to hide me in the attic. So, but um, yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, Max, do you have any questions for for Dan? You know, serious questions about uh, you know what I mean, what what he's up to now. Uh, any lessons learned from the campaign? Not um, so yeah, question being, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what's your reaction to all the progress that you made, Dan, in terms of like, you know, convincing thousands of people to vote for you and, and, uh, what do you, what do you think really, uh, struck a chord with them after, 
you know, it appeared that uh, Monica was spending, you know, thousands of dollars that clearly you weren't and, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting all sorts of endorsements, including from former Governor Brian Schweitzer, uh, you know, up and down the Democratic Party, you know, listserv, mm-hmm. uh, people were being uh, courted. Um, and yet, uh, you know, there were, I mean, I, I forget the actual per- percentage of, of voters in the primary that voted for you, but it wasn't insignificant. So I was just curious, you know, number one, what were your reactions to all the people that did show up to support you during a pandemic? <laughs> and right. uh, number, number two is like, uh, what lessons do you have just being a, a young candidate and whatnot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, Max. Um, yeah, I think... You know, I, I really th- thought I had a chance at uh, winning the Public Service Commission seat because I believe I had the winning message um, with uh, stopping all the fossil fuel infrastructure um, and matching up with what climate science is demanding. And then also talking about how we're going to take on some of the social justice issues um, by holding these monopolies accountable. And, you know, I thought I had a chance of winning by just getting to talk to uh, as many Montanans uh, one-on-one or volunteers from my campaign talking to people but um, with the pandemic, uh, we weren't able to canvas the last uh, three months or so. Um, so that made it really hard to get that one-on-one interactions and uh, connect with people. Um, you know, I, a couple things that I think I did uh, worthwhile with that campaign was um, getting the message out there about uh, what public utilities, uh, public ownership of our utilities would mean. Um, getting the message out there about uh, the corruption of Northwestern Energy. Um, the PSC, and then how it's affecting everybody's lives. I think um, many young people, especially who voted for me, would, wouldn't have known about uh, what's going on with our energy grid or Northwestern Energy, um, wouldn't know what the Public Service Commission is, and, and kind of the steps forward um, without me amplifying uh, the PSC. So I think that was worthwhile for long-term strategy of just getting a better Public Service Commission and, and you know, getting that public support against Northwestern Energy's plans um, because uh, with massive public support against Northwestern Energy, I don't think they'll be able to do their plans as easy as, as they have been able to in the past. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I'm really glad that I never backed down from my messaging and, you know, st- stuck with the Green New Deal messaging throughout the whole campaign um, because it's going to be a, a long fight for a Green New Deal um, and it's going to be implemented through all levels of government. So I'm glad I at least amplified a Green New Deal in Montana as well and trying to lead the way in the Democratic Party in Montana for that. So I was pretty, I was pretty happy with all of that. Um, yeah, I really uh, needed to raise more money or get more people power together to take on a fifth of, a, a fifth of the state um, campaign. So, you know, I wasn't able to talk to have all those conversations and connections with voters as I wanted to, but um, I think we ended up getting about 7,700 or so votes, which I was uh, really um, surprised that coming into this at first, I wasn't sure what to expect, but um, uh, Monica uh, had raised um, unprecedented amounts of money for a PSC Montana primary and gotten unprecedented amounts of votes. Uh, she ran a really uh, good campaign. Um, Although I would like to see a Green New Deal happen, and I'd like to see uh, uh, the people in the PSC stop these gas plants, um, I just I think it's going to be a, a longer fight than I was hoping. But I'm I'm definitely in this for the long haul, and I'm excited to uh, you, uh, get to hear this interview with Tom Woods and 
and hopefully get to talk to Monica and um, Jennifer Fielder and you know other PSG candidates that that are still running in this race as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's yeah, that's well said, and um, I think Monica is is actually a, a quite a good candidate. Uh, you know, I've, I've looked at her, her platform. Uh, it is interesting how much, uh, uh, money she raised. Um, I guess, uh, there's just a lot of interest in the public service commission right now for some reason. Uh, or, or so I, I, or unless they, uh, did they feel like you were a challenge? Is that maybe the reason why they, they had to put in so much work? Um, I think it's definitely the public service commission race is definitely a very, um, highlighted race in Montana right now because of all the news um, over the past couple of years of Northwestern Energy News and Public Service Commission News. Mm. Like these guys are falling asleep at the at their meetings. They're not showing up to meetings. Right. Um, they're voting in favor of the monopolies. And I think that got a bunch of people pretty excited about this race, along with uh, just the time scale that we have to, to stop the climate crisis and, and the amount of influence that the PSC has on our energy grid. Um, I think this is a really closely watched race. I think it's uh, one reason um, Monica was able to raise a bunch of money and also um, having all those, those connections to um, all the other uh, Democratic uh, politicians that mm-hmm. are already in office and, um, and some of these other um, groups that she knows as well. Okay. Um, I think she, she uh, you know, I was, for at first glance, it definitely doesn't seem like I would be the right candidate for PSC compared to a, a lawyer who's been working on the PSC issues for a long time. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so I was just hoping that people would hear uh, the differences in policy stances and um, and vision for our utilities and and try to make their votes uh, based off of off of the issues uh, rather than just first glance. But yeah, again, it's tough to reach everybody. Yeah, for sure. Well said. Um, Max, do you have anything else to add? Um, I guess, uh, just a real quick question about like you saying that like it was definitely worth it to run. And, uh, I would agree with you. I mean, just, it's pretty striking to hear you describe, you know, the campaign being about the issues and the educational mission that really you're undertaking as well as an electoral mission. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have any more thoughts about, uh, either next steps for you, what are you going to be working on? And, uh, and also do you want to just give a quick shout to folks that are considering, you know, running a campaign like yours and whether you think that it's, uh, whether you think that that's a worthwhile mission beyond just your single campaign. And, and do you think it's a sort of a path forward, even if like folks like look at Bernie Sanders and there's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, morning cornerbacking about like whether, um, you know, he, whether it was effective or, you know, a mm-hmm. waste of time for people with those issues to e- even enter the political arena, really. Instead, they should be focusing on, you know, their own lives or something like that. What, what do you, what's your sense of all that, I guess? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, I really believe in the power of, uh, of movements rather than politics, but I would like to uh, give a shout out to our generation for just not um, putting up with uh, the status quo and like in the current destructive system that we have in politics. So I really encourage uh, young younger people to uh, run for office um, sooner rather than than later because I think 
if our if the younger generations uh, come into political power, we won't have to um, live under the same current systems of oppression that the government has already uh, had in place for for over a century now um, and and built off of. So, I really think that young people getting involved in politics is our way to a Green New Deal and and running. Um, you know, Bernie Sanders when he first ran, uh, he lost multiple times. Um, he didn't want to fall into either political party, so he just kept running as an independent until he finally won his first bid as mayor, and he won by just a dozen votes um, in, in a huge race. And I think it's just that kind of persistence um, that's that it's going to take to to beat big money. But um, I I really have a lot of faith in in the younger generations uh, coming into power and, and fixing uh, the climate crisis, fixing some of the fixing our broken economic system and social social programs as broken social programs as well in the US um, and then um, steps forward for for me right now I'm uh, organizing with our sunrise movement group here and um, helping support uh, other uh, black lives matter um, organizers in town too We're working on a, a one and a half month campaign for uh, defunding the, the police here in Missoula right now uh, it's pretty interesting that Mayor Engen just proposed um, his police uh, his, uh, budget for 2021 yesterday, and they're adding, uh, he said, despite the protesters' uh, calls for defunding the police, they're going to add $19 million, um, adding riot gear and uh, armed personnel tank in Missoula, uh, as long, and also they're only going to invest a quarter of the uh, proposed funding for the Affordable Housing Act, so there will be less affordable housing in Missoula. Um, more police, and then they're also only putting $75,000 um, towards mental health crisis. So I'm trying to work on this campaign to help uh, re-envision our community safety programs. Like uh, basically, rather um, uh, rather than an armed an armed person coming to every situation um, when people have like mental health crises or um, need assistance with other things. We would um, there would be experts in those fields to come help instead. So we're kind of working on this pressure campaign uh, with the mayor in the city right now with that, with our Sunrise Movement group. And then um, moving forward, I'm ultimately just in the fight for a Green New Deal for at least the next decade until we get um, some serious change. Um, and then I'm also uh, uh, considering, I definitely still have a fire in my belly after that PSC campaign, so I'm considering running for uh, either city council here in Missoula um, next year or uh, the legislature in 2022. So I'm looking forward to still sticking around and getting involved as I can. Well, that's great, Dan. Yeah, I saw that that post today on uh, on Missoula uh, police funding. I, I guess when you yeah. uh, have a gentrifying community uh, with less and less affordable housing, there's two ways you can go. You can create affordable housing or increase your police force so that you can um, uh, assist the gentrification. Um, so that's cool. Uh, the tank, that's our armored, armored, armored vehicle. That'll be, that's okay. Because yeah. um, Missoula is like a hippie kind of city. I don't, seems like a... Yeah, it's, it's quite a safe uh, community here yeah, already. Just, uh, yeah, for now, I guess. I guess they're foreseeing some sort of um, hell world. So that's cool. Um, sorry. Um, <laughs> But, uh, well, I'm really glad that you are, um, you're staying involved and you're thinking about running for future offices. Uh, and I guess the message is we've got to just keep fighting. 
And I'm excited uh, to air this interview. I think uh, Tom Woods is a really interesting candidate with a series of progressive, um, I guess, uh, campaign uh, policy proposals that will be extremely helpful in the years to come. Um, Max, anything anything else? No, I don't have anything else. That that sounds great. You guys, good to good to talk to you again. Okay, let's start let's start the interview then. Thanks a lot, guys. Hi, this is Tom. Hi, Tom. Uh, it's Ryan with the Montana Power Pod. Hey, how are you doing? Pretty good. Uh, thanks a lot for agreeing to come on the show and talk about your campaign. Oh, my pleasure. Okay, let's let's start off by introducing you to the audience. You're a four-term legislator with the Montana House of Representatives, and you're running for uh, the open public service commissioner seat in District uh, 3. And um, I, we're particularly excited to have you on the show because of your ambitious list of progressive policy positions and your commitment to making the public service commission more accountable to ratepayers. Um, sure. Although that's a pretty low bar right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show, Tom. This is uh, Daniel Carlino as well. And uh, it sounds hey. like you want to um, uh, bring back the public service here. And um, as you've said, and uh, also make sure that we're holding these uh, monopolies accountable. Uh, so we no longer have a PSC that upholds to corporate interests and rather work for the people. So um, what, what originally inspired you to run for this seat, Tom? And why do you think the Public Service Commission is so important? Well, gosh, those are two very big questions. Um, the reason I decided to run for the seat is that uh, we have term limits in Montana. I've, I've served four terms in the legislature, and I, I like to call it the worst job that uh, I've ever loved. Huh. And in those four <laughs> terms, you know, what I've learned uh, and what I have worked on is the is this whole issue of the relationship between our utility monopolies, the state and us, the ratepayers. So, um, you know, it's, if I could go back to the house, you know, I, I think I would, cause I, I really enjoy it. And I love being a representative. I love being able to, you know, to press that button and say, you know what? Um, I, I disagree. And here's why, you know, or, or my constituents don't benefit from this and here's why. And it's been great. Now, the Public Service Commission uh, deals with some issues that I've been working on as a legislator for a long time. And uh, what I've recognized in the last four terms is just, man, this it, this runs really deep, uh, that the, the statutes that we put in place really don't work for the people of Montana, and they really tend to work in the interests of the company. And uh, so I, I really feel like, okay, I can't go back to the house. I have this, this body of knowledge. I have this desire to help the people of Montana and to represent people because I believe in government by and for people. So it's just a natural fit. Wow. That's great. Uh, what would you say? What are the primary priorities of, of your campaign? You know, the primary um, issue of my campaign is getting people to know that, man, you really need to care about this. Because, you know, you, you say PSC to most people in Montana and their eyes gloss over and they say, what, what the heck is that? And um, for a very long time, that's been the way that public service commission campaigns have, have played out. That, 
nobody really looks down the ballot that far. Nobody really knows what a public service commissioner does. And somebody's never no, and not enough of the electorate has really electorate has really cared about it, and so that's why we're stuck with a, a public service commission that doesn't really serve the public. We haven't cared, we haven't paid attention, and um, here we are. We are where we find ourselves in a place where we're getting hosed. Hmm. So I see the beginning of this issue with uh, the, the power in Montana and the PSC going all the way back to when the Montana Power Company was first deregulated in 1997 by the legislature. And then Northwestern Energy uh, soon enough took over the power grid, and um, we've had increasing energy bills since then uh, from back in the 1997 uh, deregulation disaster. Uh, from your experience, Tom, with Northwestern Energy and the PSC, could you take us through the story of how Northwestern Energy and the PSC have uh, gotten to this point and how they've taken advantage of ratepayers over the years? Okay, well, take a seat and open a beer because this might take a <laughs> while. Um, uh, yeah, so the, those of us who've lived in Montana for a long time remember the Montana Power Company. And so that company decided that, hey, this business isn't lucrative and sexy enough. We're going to sell out and we're going to get into the telecommunications business. Really bad decision on their part, but you know, that's what happened. So they sold their, their power generation and the grid to a number of different outside, uh, a number of different corporations. And the idea was, all right, we're going to keep generation and distribution separate. And that's what happened. So uh, we had, uh, a number of different out-of-state co corporations buy our production, energy production. And we had an out-of-state corporation, Northwestern Energy, come in and take over power distribution. They had the grid. And that didn't work out too well. No big surprise. Uh, so we, Northwestern Energy went bankrupt uh, very quickly. Montana Power Company went belly up very quickly. And so the legislature looking at that stepped in and said, look, we've got to help this company Northwestern Energy out because they distribute power. It's something that people need. And so we put a bunch of legislation in place to help out Northwestern Energy. And it made sense at the time. It really did. It made sense. But um, that time has passed. We did things, um, we passed laws that, um, well, one of the ones that I successfully fought was that it made sense that, okay, Northwestern Energy, poor Northwestern Energy, they're just distribution, right? And so if their power generation that they don't own goes out, should they be, should they be liable for the costs associated with the power, with the generator going down? No. They didn't know the generator, right? So we passed a law that said, all right, when the generation goes down, when the power outage happens, Northwestern Energy is not responsible. The costs for a power outage go around the Public Service Commission, and they go right on consumer bills. And it made sense, right? Well, times changed. And now Northwestern Energy owns a lot of power generation, but that law was still in place. 
And so one of the bills that I brought was, this is dumb. They no <laughs> longer need this. <laughs> they no longer need this law, right? And and it gets worse in that what Northwestern Energy learned was that, hey, this idea of power outage, the definition of power outage is not really well defined. And so they were calling all kinds of things power outage costs going around the Public Service Commission and putting them on our bills. That's wrong. So, you know, I no, no, wrong. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So, you know, I brought House Bill 193 and House Bill 190 to try to repeal that law, and I finally succeeded in doing that in 2017 with the help of some folks on both sides of the aisle. So that that was a win. There's other laws that are still on the books, so let me go through a couple of them. When Northwestern Energy went bankrupt, we passed a law that said when your property taxes go up on Northwestern Energy, that cost goes around the Public Service Commission and goes right on ratepayer bills. This is called a tax tracker, and it made sense. This company's in trouble. When their property taxes go up, they can't handle that. We'll let the ratepayers handle that. I don't agree with that, but that's what the legislature decided, and it made sense at the time. That law is still in place. So whenever property taxes go up on Northwestern Energy, it goes around the Public Service Commission, and it goes on your bill. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've been trying to repeal that (laughs) for three terms because what – what the local governments have learned is that, hey, we can jack par- property tax rates on Northwestern Energy as much as we want. Huh. They don't care. The customers pay it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, wow. been, go sorry. ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm no, just, no worries. Uh, I, I was just, it was just a, a digression. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm uh, Canadian, so uh, I actually come from British Columbia, and, you know, we have a public utility and just hearing about all this, it, it just seems like, uh, I know you can't control this, but like, why do we even need Northwestern Energy then? It seems like the public is propping them up anyways. Um, mm-hmm. Seems like a weird middleman to have. Anyways, that's just a, an aside. Yeah, we're going to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm talking about where we are right now and why we are where we are. And it comes from deregulation and it comes from a desire to keep this privately owned utility afloat. And, and what's worse is the next piece of legislation that we, that we passed. And that is we allow Northwestern Energy to get a payment on the stuff that they owned. And this is called a return on equity payment. And it's this that we really need to look at and unwind. So we pay this privately owned utility a percentage based on the stuff that they own. Now, think about that. If you were paid, you know, if you were guaranteed a payment on the stuff that you own, let's say you were, you were out shopping for a house. Mm-hmm. What kind of house would you buy? Um, I mean, just a normal middle class house, but I guess if I was getting paid, it would I don't know. Um, would, how do you? If I was going to pay you ten percent on on the then the value of the house that you buy, what kind of house would you buy if you were interested in in profiting as much as you could? I just 
buy a really nice house, I guess. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'd buy the biggest one in town. Um, you'd buy the biggest one in town. I'd There's buy the, the Daily the Mansion. Yeah. Yeah, you would. Heck yeah, you would. <laughs> yeah. And it makes sense that you would because you're getting paid a percentage of what you own. Not what you produce, but what you own. So this this idea of paying Northwestern a return on equity for what they own is driving a lot of their behavior. Hmm. They want to own the most that they can. They want to inflate the value of the stuff that they buy because they get paid a percentage of what they own. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why they hate net metering so much. If in net metering is if somebody has a solar array and they produce more power than they need, should they be able to sell that back into the grid? Logic would say, yeah, it does make sense. But with this return on equity model, if the company doesn't own it, they don't want it because they don't get their, they don't get their 10% or 11% or 12% return on equity. Hmm. So, this is what's driving their behavior. This is why they don't like net metering. It's why they don't like outside companies coming in and building solar solar farms or wind farms because if they don't own it, they're not getting their return on equity. This is what's what's driving them to do something like propose building a whole bunch of natural gas plants or fracked gas plants. They They cost a bunch of money. Hmm. And the pipelines that you're going to need to build – to feed those frack gas plants, they're going to cost a bunch of money because we don't have enough pipelines right now. But if they get a percentage of that, they get 10%. That's gravy. So, so, so the yeah. return on that, um, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say then. So if they're, how, how are the costs, um, what are the costs associated with renewables or like building, I mean, we've talked to somebody on a previous episode of, about building a, a water battery or, or something like that because, um, I mean, uh, uh, presumably that would that would be quite expensive. So, what's to stop them from from investing in those technologies then? Well, if they can own it, it would be a, it would be one thing. But if you're if you're talking about the Gordon Butte project, or if you're talking about an idea of of uh, creating a pump storage in in Butte, um, mm-hmm. they would far prefer to own it than to have somebody else build it and own it because again it comes down to the return on equity mm. if they don't own it they don't get their 10 percent right or 11 percent so, so what do you think how do you think a bill would would go in the legislature if you propose to uh, dismantle uh, the the energy monopolies and um or if somebody else did that's in the legislature and rather have publicly owned energy grid how do you think that would that would uh work through the legislator through the legis uh through the legislative session and how do you think um that would help supply all montanans with energy and help get us to renewable energy well as a legislator i would say that it's really 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 difficult to get anything through the legislature that northwestern energy doesn't want um mm-hmm. my house because bill of lobbyists or... yeah sure mm-hmm. um lobbyists and and um, they're very good at what they do. And right. um, so, I mean, that bill, House Bill 193, that repealed the outage tracker, 
that that passed by one vote. And um, that, as far as I know, is I believe the only one of the only bills that ever passed that was opposed by Northwestern Energy. And this has been decades. So uh, uh, I guess, it's, you know, with the issues that you have of, you know, getting anything concrete passed, um, what common ground do you think you can find with uh, Republicans uh, in order to uh, pass meaningful uh, legislation um, you know, or, or push through, you know, policies with the PSC? And that's the good news is that this is not a partisan issue. And um, I was able to get that bill passed you know, House Bill 193, and uh, with support and opposition from both sides of the aisle. You know, this is not a partisan issue. And so the fact is that when we parse terms, when we talk about climate change, we need to talk about things that everybody can agree on. We don't agree on both sides of the aisle on issues of ethics or morals. We don't. Right. But where we can find common ground is on dollars and cents, the economics. And, and that's where we're starting to make headway. And we're starting to get traction on the other side of the aisle in terms of, look, look at the bottom line here. We're getting hosed. Where does our future lie as a state? We are uphill with water. The sun shines. The wind blows. We should be a power exporter, a clean energy exporter. The Western states have made it very clear that they don't want to buy from us if we're producing energy with coal. That means we have to change our act. And that's the message that we need to be talking about, that look – Coal is extremely expensive to, to produce energy with. And our market doesn't want to buy that energy. So we have to change. Right. So um, in your first four years on the PSC, um, it looks like they're going to be proposing uh, three new uh, natural gas plants in Montana, um, as well as I'm sure other, many other things will be going on as well in front of the PSC at that time. What do you see as the best case scenario um, for Montana's energy grid and dealing with Northwestern energy in your first four years on the PSC? I think we need to inject a lot more transparency and we need to be talking mm -hmm. about these issues in terms of economics. Um, look, transparency is something that, that both sides of the aisle want and we're not getting that right now. Why can't the people who are getting put on the hook for coal strip know how much that, that the coal is going to cost? That's, it's ludicrous to think that, we're, that that's somehow a proprietary information. It's stupid to think that we're not going to include the costs of cleaning up coal strip in terms, when we talk about a transaction of more coal strip being bought by Northwestern Energy. What are the liabilities of the ratepayers? That's perfectly, uh, I, I think it's, it's perfectly reasonable to have that as a transparent transaction. So the first four years are going to be about, all right, we need to, t we need to talk about what's what. 
and we need to clear the air in terms of how we're getting about what consumers are paying and what they're getting for their dollar. What's the real reason that, that Northwestern Energy wants to keep coal strip open? All of the other partners want out. Why is that? The production of energy at coal strip is extremely expensive. But Northwestern Energy gets paid a percentage of what they own. The other companies do not. That's why they want to keep coal strip open. Hmm. So let's let's be honest about what's on the table. Let's let's be truthful about what the true costs are here. And that's what I see my role on the on the PSC as being. That look, everybody needs to know the what's really going on here. We really need to, to face these transactions with the truth out there. And we really need to be honest with each other about the true costs of carbon. We need to be honest with each other with the true costs of what has happened in the past with the purchase of these assets. And let's move forward. Northwestern Energy, I don't like them, sure, but they are they are currently our regulated monopoly. How can we make this work for everybody? And that's, that's going to be a very, it's going to be a tough thing to, it's going to be a tough thing to, to a tough line to walk, but how do we make this into a, a model where we have a electric grid that's reliable, that's safe, and that's cheaper than what it is in terms, both in terms of environmental and in economic costs. How do we do that? And that's what I want. That's what I want to move towards. But for the last couple decades, this this process has been dominated by the needs of the monopoly, and it's time for that to, to stop because we're not getting what we want in terms of economics. And we're not getting what we want in terms of environmental sensitivity. Yeah, sounds like you have a lot of work ahead of you. It also sounds, <laughs> yeah, it also sounds like, uh, um, it also sounds like maybe part of your role you're thinking is as an as an educator because I I do think that for a lot of people they turn the lights on and then they don't think about it. Um, and they don't have this sort of baseline of, of the history of how we got to this point and, uh, you know, what the role of the public service commissioner is uh, in, uh, in terms of, um, um, you know, uh, positively affecting um, uh, energy usage and other uh, uh, utilities in the state. Um, yeah, it's... A and, and, and I get it. I mean, we're all busy. We're all working. We're raising families, paying rent or mortgages. Who has the time to pay attention to these really arcane relationships? And unfortunately, you know, corporate America does have the time and the expertise to pay to apply themselves to these the arcane details. That's why we need regulators that, that are willing and able to dig into these arcane details and say, hey, wait a minute. Let's remember that this is supposed to be about justice. Let's remember that this is supposed to be about reliable service at reasonable rates. 
that's the agreement between the regulated, the regulators, and the the people of Montana. And we've, mm-hmm. for far too long, it's been, we have, this balance has been in favor of the monopolies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so after watching uh, some of your videos of you in the legislature, Tom, and, and uh, hearing you speak, um, I'm really excited to, to have you on the PSC because we need someone there to uh, be a force to be reckoned with, not let Northwestern Energy just walk all over ratepayers. Um, so I'm really excited excited for that, and I'm wondering what, what would your message be to the executives of Northwestern Energy? It seems like we're at such a turning point um, with them trying to buy coal strip and, and invest in all these fracked gas plants. Uh, now that it's before all that happens in 2020, what, what's your message to Northwestern Energy's executives and kind of the, the decision makers of where our energy grid's going? Um, it, and it's really not. Um, this is an easy one because I've given this message and that is, look, I don't want you guys to go belly up. You know, let's, let's get that out there. I don't hate you. I want you to succeed, but we need to succeed together. And this model that we have now is not working for us. And we need to move in a direction where we have, where Montana is an exporter of energy clean energy because we are, we have the resources to do that so let's work to get let's work together to make that happen but don't blow smoke up our collective butts about fracked gas plants being the best way forward because in terms of economics it doesn't pencil out if we can couple renewable energy with storage be it chemical or pump storage you know as well as I do, that's an economic model that'll work. So let's work together and make that happen. This, but what we're doing now, it's not working for us. It's working for you, but this isn't about just you. It's about us. Hmm. Yeah, I think that was really well framed. I mean, it's not not a personal thing. I mean, there has to be that push pull, I guess, right, in, in order to to get us where we want to go. Um, and yeah, it sounds like they they've had too much of of the of the uh, they've been given too much of a leash uh, uh, to this point. I think that's accurate. That look, we we gave you a break, you know, and we we put a lot of things in place to get you back off. You know, we to get you off your back. You're off your back now. Either work with us, or I'm going to punch you in the nose, and and that's that's the way I feel about it. That either you recognize and admit that times have changed, and we can't continue to do business the way we did. Until that happens, well, uh, I'm going to fight you. Hmm. And so when we stop fighting. Well, that will happen when you recognize that it's not about your profits. It's not about your bottom line. This is far more than just stockholder dividends. This is about us having to pay you. But more importantly, this is about our future. You know, if we don't, you know, and, and, and I'm sorry, I'll just stop right there. This is about our future. Because I'm a scientist, you know, and I, I get the fact that 
you put things in the air that have molecular bonds that absorb energy at a different higher rate when uv light is reflected you're going to get warming you're going to get change and i accept that are we going to deal with it or not i want to deal with it yeah that seems like a pretty adult thing to do (laughs) (laughs) you know uh yeah i like to say you know that's the smart thing to do that's the intelligent thing. That's the educated thing to do. Let's do it anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I think ultimately too, it's it's sort of like, um, you know, we had to have a sober sit down and and talk about all of this stuff. And I feel like there's just a lot of uh, dishonesty and and people not coming out and 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 having having that conversation. Um, do you face a, a pushback um, from Northwestern? Is I mean, how, how do you uh, I'd imagine they have a PR team. They have people in place that are are are, are, are pushing a different narrative. Uh, I I don't know. That's just no, sure. Yeah. That's their job. Yeah. You know, their job is to make the company look good. You know, and the job of the lobbyists is to get the policies that the company wants across the finish line, whether it be defeating a bill or getting a bill across the finish line. So they have specialists to do this, and this is what we, the people, are up against. So it's a it's not an even fight. But what we have working for us is that more and more people are recognizing that this power imbalance exists, or forgive the pun, and more and more people are opening that monthly bill and going, holy, what what's going on here? This is a lot of money, and I don't really get a choice about who I'm paying this money to. It's like a tax. So I see I see a an incremental change in public opinion between accepting the way things are and wanting something better. Thank goodness you're running, Tom, so we can get something better here and start getting some of these gears moving on the PSC in the right direction. Um, do you have any other questions, uh, Ryan, before we... Before we close out, yeah. Uh, well, uh, one thing I saw in your um, uh, on on your website, Tom, was you were talking about the uh, telecommunications ac- access, and uh, mm-hmm. as somebody who's lived here for a fair amount of time and and lived in uh, rural areas in in British Columbia, um, I I definitely see the need for uh, expanded access uh, to um, to you know, telecommunications technology. Uh, Especially, you know, um, in light of uh, the current situation where a lot of people are working from home and things like that, um, that's kind of a broad question. Um, so what is your plan for uh, expanding telecommunications access uh, to uh, Montana um, and making it, in, 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 is it uh, ex, uh, increasing, I guess, subsidies for different technologies? Um, is it uh, bringing down rates? Um What's your vision for that? That's a great question. And it's one that I I locked horns with the industry with last last session in that there was a bill brought to um, give tax breaks uh, to companies that would uh, put in fiber optic cable. We all know that fiber optic is superior, uh, is is a great way to, to make for broadband. And so on the surface, an idea like that sounds, yeah, this is, 
and they they sold it to us as this is how we are going to expand broadband to rural Montana. Mm-hmm. But the bill as written did not say that we're going to give tax breaks to fiber optic that is laid in rural Montana. And so what it was then was that we're going to give you tax breaks to any fiber optic you build, but it's not cost effective to build fiber optic in rural Montana. So I I hope this is making sense. Yeah. Basically it was like, we're going to give you a tax break, but we're not going to put any sideboards on this and it's not going to really incentivize you to build in rural Montana. Right. So where I see the future of Montana broadband being is low earth orbit satellites. And that's what, yeah, that's, it's a heck of a lot cheaper and um, a lot cheaper. We could put $6 million or so. uh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't put numbers out there. We can invest a lot less in low earth orbit satellite technology, which is emerging right now and Mm -hmm. cover Montana for a lot less money than it's going to take to lay fiber optic cable to every nook and cranny of a state that is larger than Germany. Hmm. So I see this as being, don't get fooled by, by what the industry tells you. Look around and, and, and make sure when you look at legislation what does it really incentivize? And work with these industries, but don't get, um, I'm not sure what your audience, BS'd by. Yeah. And, and that's where a public service commissioner needs to do their homework, needs to be not cynical, but you need to, to have a certain amount of removal from the situation to be analytical. You have to analyze arguments, analyze what are the motivations and make your decisions based on the data that's in front of you. That sounds very that's logical <laughs> and, and uh, the way to go. Um, so I, I know I, I really hope you win, Tom. It's going to really mean the, mean the future of our energy grid with this upcoming PSC. Um, so I, for the listeners that, that are inspired by your message or are excited to actually get involved and make this impact, um, how can people help out these, these last months for, with your campaign? What's the, what's the best way? What, what do you need to win? What do I need to win? Um, a, a number of things. It's really, really hard to get the message out, and that's what needs to happen. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. Letters to the editor are very helpful. Signs in your yard are very helpful. A magnetic sign in your card, just putting my name in front of people is helpful. And of course, you know, I'm going to have to buy media. Um, That's the unfortunate reality of American politics is that you have to have money to purchase TV ads and radio ads. So that's what's needed is people caring, people contributing in, in the way that they can. If it's a yard sign, great. If it's a letter to the editor, great. If it's a campaign contribution, great. If it's a putting a sign on your car, great. Bumper sticker, wonderful. But that's what needs to happen because, let's face it, um, the company doesn't like me. Um, 
And I'd also have the, this has also been deemed to be a partisan race. I am a Democrat that works against me. Um, and so I need your help. So please go to Tom Woods or PSC.com. And we've got, uh, you can con- donate through there. You can, vo- you can volunteer through that site. But this is a people-centered and a people-powered campaign. And so I'm going to need your help. And that's how you can help. Put out a yard sign, agree to phone bank, write a letter to the editor, put a sign in your car, or put a donation into the, into the kitty so that we can, we can purchase TV and radio. Um, but, yeah, this is mm-hmm. tough. Yeah. Wow. Easy as that. Um, you, the listener, could could help Tom uh, get one of these good signs in your yard or a magnet on your car. Um, and I, I really think that it's important that, uh, you know, we invest in candidates that, that we believe in and, and get involved and to some extent or else uh, the future will slip slip right by as Northwestern Energy continues on. So I know I'll, I'll be helping Tom. And um, thanks for coming on today. Um, anything Thank else you, you want to say, Ryan or Tom? Uh, I guess I would just say that um, uh, I'm really excited about uh, some of the ideas that you brought up and you've in, uh, very clearly uh, broken down uh, for us what the issues are in a way that I, I haven't heard uh, as clearly articulated before. And and I also would just say, as, as an aside, I mean, if Northwestern Energy uh, doesn't like you, I mean, uh, have they met you? You seem like a pretty nice guy, so... Um, oh, we've met. Yeah, I know. I know. But, uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, we don't like each other, and that's okay. Yeah, that's you unfortunate. Know, that's okay. Yeah. You know, we have to work together. Yeah, that's fair. And um, I, I don't want to be liked <laughs> as much as I want to <laughs> be listened to. Yeah. Uh, I don't need to be liked as much as I need to be listened to because – we need to be listened to and i feel like i speak for a lot of people when i when i talk about what i've learned over the last 15 years so um it's a real compliment that um that you're saying that i've i've parsed these issues in a way that you haven't that that are believable understandable because that's what my job is Yeah, well, I mean, I think, right. uh, yeah, communication is, I mean, I, I'm an illustrator for a living, so I do visual communication, but yeah, I mean, clearly uh, explaining complex subject matter is a real skill, and, and I think it also speaks to your experience as well, that you've, you know, delved into these issues and, and have the knowledge um, to, uh, you know, carry out uh, some of these um, decisions that need to be made that are, you know, so important for our future, so... Thank you for yeah, caring. Oh, you're yeah. welcome. I, I do want to say also Northwestern Energy is a great person to – a great uh, company, uh, sometimes considered people, uh, to not be friends with because their <laughs> their uh, profit motives is a threat to a livable climate and a livable future, and their profit motives are a threat to um, supplying everybody with their basic needs in Montana. So not a bad enemy to, to make with. Uh, being on the side of the people seems great. Yeah. I forget who said that you judge a person by their enemies, not by their friends. <laughs> no, that's a good line. Um, well, anyway, I, I really appreciate that you care. I appreciate your time, and and I hope that folks listening can um, 
can support this campaign because it's going to be it's going to be brutal. It already is. I get a lot of hate mail. I get a lot of uh, I get a lot of pushback from from folks, and it's it's unfortunate because you know I feel like look, man, I'm on your side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess the it's our job to uh, push forward another narrative and uh, and show that you know just demonstrate that hey you know like uh, these are good things. <laughs> Right. We all want what's best yes. for the most of us. Yes. And um, that has not been what's happening. And so it, things need to change. But thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us today. My pleasure. Yep. All right. Good luck in the rest of your campaign, Tom. Thanks for coming on. And we'll make sure to spread this far and wide. Thanks, Tom. Thank you.